Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Joe Emmersberger, who is a Canada-based writer who writes primarily these days for FAIR, fair fair.org, The Canary, and Counterpunch, and previously for Telesaur English. You can find him on Twitter at Rosendo underscore Joe. Joe Emmersberger has been reporting on the media, on Julian Assange, and on Venezuela. Joe Emmersberger, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. I've been interested in the things you've been writing lately. Um, you had a, a headline that uh, suggested that Julian Assange has already uh, been punished. I'm not sure he needed to be punished at all, but uh, is, is that right? Has he already been punished? Well, yeah, the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detention in 2016 said he's already been arbitrarily deta- detained for several years because he, he took refuge in 2012 in the Ecuadorian embassy to avoid extradition to the United States because Sweden refused to uh, to guarantee that he would not be extradited to the United States. And, of course, Obama's administration also refused to guarantee that they would not you know, prosecute him for the basically for doing journalism. So uh, that's why Ecuador granted... Uh, Asylum, and that, that's been kind of tw- that's been misreported a lot. They said, "Oh, he didn't want to go to Sweden to face." Uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, actually, it was a, it was not even charged. There were never any charges. There was a preliminary investigation uh, into some sexual uh, assault allegations. But uh, the the stumbling block was that Sweden refused to uh, to guarantee that he would not be extradited to the United States. And and so not only has this group at the UN uh, made this statement, but more recently hasn't a, a special rapporteur or some UN official made a pretty powerful statement along the same lines? Oh, yeah, definitely. Nils, Nils Mesler, uh, he made this extremely powerful uh, statement. He's, a, he's the UN Special Independent Rapporteur on uh, Torture and uh, Cruel Punishment, uh, basically. And... Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, he said he uh, he put out a statement said that uh, Mr. Assange has been exposed to persistent, progressively severe abuse, range, ranging from systematic uh, judicial persecution and arbitrary confinement in the Ecuadorian embassy to his uh, oppressive isolation, harassment, and surveillance inside the embassy, and uh, deliberate collective ridicule, insults, and humiliation to open instigation of violence and even repeated calls for his assassination. Uh, so he's really he's taking the task not only the governments there, um, but also the uh, you know the media who've turned him into such a hate figure. Uh, you know, or anything they just it's really outrageous how they basically just for the most part, I mean, very very rare exceptions, basically just chuckle at his plight. Um, you know, just recently now with the with the indictment, especially under the Espionage Act, it looks like they're. You know, some people are starting to at least say, well, you know, they always preface it by saying, of course, we don't like Assange, but, you know, this is not good that he's being uh, prosecuted for uh, for basically doing journalism, doing what uh, investigative journalists are supposed to do. Right. It's always prefaced with, no matter what you may think of this disreputable right. jerk, it, it, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, but apart from the fact that he's already been punished, uh, and apart from the fact that he's not been convicted of anything... Is the stuff in the indictment actually crimes at all? What is he indicted for? Well, the, yeah, the first one that came out was for a conspiracy to... The indictment is basically accused him of a conspiracy to hack, basically because he, he tried and failed to try to help uh, 
uh, Chelsea Manning download information she had access to in a way that she wouldn't leave uh, wouldn't leave her uh, her digital f- fingerprints on it, and it didn't work out. Um, but they said just on the basis that he tried to do something like that, they say, "Oh, that, there's a conspiracy to hack." So they're trying to uh, to invoke that. Um, you know, and then now they piled on. Even if that had nothing to do with the acquisition of the the classified information, it, it's it's that's still uh, a crime. Well, that's what they're call, they're calling it a crime. Now it should you know if if you believe in freedom of speech, if you believe the freedom of amendment and all that stuff, I mean the court should just squash that. That, that shouldn't stand a chance. But I mean, <laughs> you know, judges, uh, you know, we we know that. Judges uh, can make outrageous rulings. So ultimately, it's, it's uh, you know if people aren't mobilized and applying pressure, uh, the fact that they even dared to, to do this is really alarming because they, you know they must feel they have a chance of getting of getting a judge to actually uh, uh, or possibly even the Supreme Court to uphold this, and it would be it would be absolutely catastrophic because uh, it would basically mean that the the freedom of speech really is it doesn't really apply except to whoever the government considers to be proper journalists. You know, uh, otherwise, if you if you snoop around and uh, and, and disclose information, uh, they don't want disclosed and, and, and take you know basic steps that any journalist does, you know, trying to protect their source from getting burned, uh, you know, trying to encourage them to, to, to divulge the information, stuff that any you know, journalists have always done. Now, in the digital age, it's different. They use drop boxes and stuff like that, uh, you know, to try to maintain their anonymity so that, uh, you know, that's what WikiLeaks does. You know, they try to, to set up a system so that they don't even know who the, the source is, so that way they can protect them better. You know, they can, uh, you know, they're, what WikiLeaks wants is set up to do is just take the information, make sure it's real, make sure it's not fraudulent, you know. Uh, and they have a 100% record with that. They've never, you know, put out documents and it, it turned out, oh, these aren't even real, you know. Right. Um, so they've, so they've, they've, what they want to do is just vet, vet the documents, make sure the information's accurate, it's in the public interest, and then and publish it, right? And, and their approach has been really different with, set them apart also is that um you know they allow anybody who access their website can can access the documents directly and that's important because sometimes you know of course we know that that corporate journalists will put their own spin on interpretation sometimes willfully you know but sometimes just based on ideology you know what they consider important or not important you know might differ from what you or i might consider (laughs) important in these documents right so um so that's a, it's a great it's a great uh, way for for ordinary uh, readers, citizens to to access documents as well, and and keep the journalists who report on them honest, you know, as well. Say, hey, wait a sec, the document really didn't say this; it said that. Or why didn't you why didn't you also why didn't you report on this document which said you know this other thing, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, it's, it's a really um, uh, system that uh, you know could have provided a great deal of transparency. So of course, you know, he's come under just an incredible barrage. Uh, from from all angles, even from some alternative media, uh, you know, for uh, for uh, holding for uh, you know, basically embarrassing very powerful people. It, uh, I mean, it has provided a great deal of transparency. There are millions of things we know about the U.S. government and other governments uh, and other powerful entities because of Julian Assange and Chelsea Manning. Is, isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, he ought to be thanked and, and given an award, right? Yeah, well, he was. I mean, while he was partnering with uh, with the big media outlets for a little while, you know, because he he had his attitude. Well, you know, uh, he he was never. I don't think a huge fan of the corporate media of the establishment media, but 
you know, he said, okay, my sources are taking big risks here. I, it's up to me. I, you know, I, I owe it to them to try to get the material the widest exposure I can, right? I mean, uh, yeah. it's kind of it's not an unreasonable position to take. So he did partner with, with the New York Times, with the uh, Guardian in the UK, with uh, this other, with the Post a bit, with one journalist in the Post, and then there was uh, this other, I can't tell in Germany, also worked with. There are various outlets that worked with him, and eventually he kind of expanded it out. But he worked with the big the big players, right? And and they were happy to work with him for a while, but then uh, they, they you know really turned on him viciously. And uh, the Guardian really burned them. You know, uh, uh, one of the authors that wrote this. One of these, these guys wrote the book and uh, disclosed a password that you know <laughs> that uh, basically forced them in a position where they were going to have to basically uh, release everything all at once, or else, or else people would you would have uh, you know ways to, to to selectively you know release or uh, the information and, and compromise everything. So. They decided to give everyone a, a chance to, uh, because you know they were, their their uh, their their uh, password was kind of deliberately uh, you know, compromised. Right. So uh, yeah. So yeah. So for a while, I guess he did have uh, he did have support of the big me, but then that that fell apart. He, honestly, I, I thought I saw I I wasn't surprised <laughs> that it fell apart, but um, that, that's where he is. And then he's uh, now, like I say, he's been now he's uh, he's actually in the. Uh, a medical part of the uh, Belmarsh uh, prison in the UK because he's he's, uh, he's really been put through the ringer. Ecuador, you know, under this new government that came in, they really turned the screws on uh, on Assange when he was on the embassy. You know, isolating him, uh, you know, uh, putting the pressure on him uh, to you know illegally uh, um, spying on him, and then they ultimately just recently also uh, handed over a lot of his personal legal documents. I just handed it right over to the United States. Um, and it was really, uh, you know, I talked to the foreign minister, uh, their former former foreign minister under Korea, who granted Assange asylum. And he was saying, you know, it's really uh, one of the things that's shocking was it's actually Assange had Ecuadorian citizenship for sure when he was actually uh, expelled from the embassy when the uh, when the government allowed the Ecuadorian government allowed the, uh, the UK to come in and grab him. Uh, he was still Ecuadorian, and under Ecuadorian's uh, Ecuador's constitution, it's very clear there's there's no they're not allowed to extradite anybody. Uh, they're not allowed to turn that citizen over. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so there's, there's all sorts of, uh, and that's what Nils, uh, Nils Mesler uh, pointed out that there's been illegality just from from every angle, from Sweden, uh, uh, from Ecuador, from the UK, and obviously from the United States. All all kinds of uh, trampling all over his uh, basic rights. We're speaking with Joe Emmersberger. Joe, it, it seems that much of what Assange is indicted for, uh, encouraging a source, uh, promoting your media outlet, using the internet, is things that many, many other journalists and publishers uh, do all the time. How has the corporate media been responding to someone being indicted for what it itself does every day? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of like I said, it's basically the approach now. Now that the indictments are out there, now that that, you know, they tried to deny uh, that this could happen, you know, say he was paranoid. He's just trying to get out of going to Sweden to face the, uh, you know, to face the, it wasn't even charges. Like I said, he was never charged. Uh, there was a preliminary investigation, and Sweden can and has charged people in absentia. So they could have moved, uh, they could have moved this forward, even with Assange not in, uh, in Sweden. So, um, 
but what the approach seems to have been just well, you know, we, of course we hate the guy and he's terrible, and but we, you know, this is not a good thing. You know, it's been <laughs> it's been that approach where they're, uh, you know, they they've smeared him for so long. You know that uh, you know, now now that uh, this is really posing a threat, perhaps even to their own uh, ability to function. Uh, you know they're they're still they're they're kind of handcuffed by by their own propaganda against Assange. They they demonized him so much. You know, right. like you say, they have to preface everything they say. They have to preface with all these uh, put downs. Or, or we haven't seen him at any parties in D.C., so he's not a journalist. So any journalism yeah. he does isn't journalism. But how are you gonna right. how are you gonna keep out of that trap going forward? How are you gonna uh, make sure only the people you don't like are are treated as criminals for doing journalism. Right. And, and then there's the other thing we mentioned, is that effectively he has been punished. I mean, they've already showed that if you're not one of the club and you do journalism that's important enough, that embarrasses people enough, they're going to find ways to to punish you. They're going to find ways to uh, to make sure you suffer extreme consequences. And that's what... Uh, that's what all these states have done too. And it's you know it's important. You know, Caitlin Johnson brings up a good you know under Swedish law and a preliminary investigation into anything into these kind of crimes, into these allegations. Uh, by law, it's supposed to be done by the Swedish authorities in such a way as to minimize the inconvenience and the uh, and the suspicion that's brought on the person being investigated. Now, you know, in, in fact, what Sweden's done throughout for years is done the exact opposite. They've they've, they've kept the preliminary investigation deliberately in a state of limbo, knowing that Assange is trapped in the embassy. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they've basically done this to maximize the pain, maximize the suspicion. You know, it's just total. It's uh, it's just uh, it just, just you know, of course, and of course, then there's the other aspect where they refused to guarantee that it wouldn't extradite him. It was all set up to make sure that they were. You know, all these states were contributing to uh, to uh, to punishing Assange. You know, not not uh, you know technically, you know, by law, he's only he's he's basically he's just started to serve a sentence for uh, for uh, for jumping bail, violating the Bail Act. But uh, effectively, like the UN has said, like the UN Working Group and others have said, he's he's really being punished for several years. He's already. Uh, He's already been severely punished for for doing journalism. Yeah, but now he won't be sent to Sweden, right? So that's all uh, gone to nowhere. Well, yeah, that's that's the, the judge um, squashed the prosecu- prosecutor's uh, request that he be uh, uh, effectively ordered to come back to to Sweden to face questioning. And basically, the it, it's another thing. Uh, you know, the, the the prosecutor issued an arrest warrant for him back in 2012, and it really should have come from a judge, not a prosecutor. And that's one of the arguments uh, uh, Assange put forward when he fought that uh, that back in 2012, before he, grant, he was granted asylum by Ecuador. Was hey, wait a second, it's supposed to be by uh, judicial authority. And uh, Craig Craig Murray has a blog explaining the technicalities of how the how the judge in, in the UK and the High Court got around that really ridiculous argument. Basically, using French text rather than English text in order to <laughs> to work around the fact that it should have come from a judge, not a prosecutor. Uh, so, it just throughout throughout the whole case, it's just been one, uh, just making it up as it goes along. You know, the law just gets made up as it goes along because it's applied to Assange. Uh, so, Joe Emmersberg, you mentioned that you had interviewed Guillaume Long, the former foreign minister of Ecuador, uh, and mm-hmm. he. He commented on the, the handing over of Assange to the United Kingdom uh, as as being a criminal act itself. Uh, is is right. the president of Ecuador really in legal trouble? He's he's in political trouble now. 
<laughs> when that, when um, when Lenin Moreno's his name, he came to power uh, in May of, of 2017. He came to power as a uh, as a loyalist of Rafael Correa, saying he's a leftist. He's going to basically continue the same policies, maybe with a different style. But and then as soon as he took office, within weeks, it was obvious he was, he was a total fraud, and he was going to go 180 degrees the other direction. Um, and so one of the things he did was he basically made sure he made uh, stacked the judiciary. Uh, in collaborating with the Ecuadorian right and with the big media outlets, they basically stacked the judiciary in this in the United States, in uh, Ecuador to make sure that he won't face uh, you know as long as that remains in place and he has his alliance intact in with uh, with those forces, he's uh, probably he's going to be safe. But that in Ecuador is not you know under Korea they had like ten years of stability, but in the ten years before that they had they went through like uh, depending how you count them eleven presidents in ten years or something. Uh, or it was it was ridiculous. So there's a lot of political instability. Uh, he's very un- because of his economic shift to the right. He's very unpopular. He's got corruption scandals uh, plaguing him. Uh, so he's uh, he's in trouble. And so if, if things turn around and there's a, a comeback for the for the forces right now, he's persecuting. Then and the and the judiciary gets unstacked. He's, yeah, he's going to be facing a lot of legal problems. Uh, for what he did to Assange and for what he's done to a lot of people in Ecuador, uh, political opponents who he's had imprisoned under extremely, uh, just in extremely uh, unethical, illegal ways. So he's uh, down the road, I think he will. But re- for now, I think he's safe. For now, I think he's got enough of an alliance intact with the, with the right-wing forces in Ecuador who kind of want to undo the last uh, the 10 years under Correa as much as they can. So I think he has enough of an alliance intact. And even though he's personally very unpopular now, um, I think he'll he'll be okay for now, but I don't think that I don't. <laughs> if I were him, I wouldn't bet on that lasting. Uh, you know, that could fall apart very quickly at any point. Has he has he revealed his true heart, or had a change of heart, or has anyone exposed the corruption involved? And and what has been the role of of, of the media in Ecuador? Well, you know, it's with with. Moreno, I think what, uh, like we discussed with, with Guillaume Long, you know, when Correa came to power, the left was traditionally very, very weak. The left parties were did very poorly, you know, generally get like 3%, you know, very poor electoral, electorally very weak. So Correa kind of built a movement from scratch. You know, he basically won won the election in 2006 as an outsider and built a movement from scratch. And like any movement, there's it's kind of a broad alliance uh, and, and a movement in power you know, will tend to attract opportunists. You know, what I mean, if it's it's not a, a party that wandered in the in desert for a long time, you know, <laughs> struggling. You know, I mean, it it uh, so it tends to attract opportunists. P- yes, men. You know, people who, are, yeah, yeah, you know, hooray for us. And you know, when, when they're in, uh, you know, and then when when it's con- when they think it's convenient, they'll you know they'll turn. You know, <laughs> so uh, he had more more people like that than I think he ever appreciated. Uh, obviously, under him and. Uh, Part of that was inevitable because you know you're trying to form alliances. You can't be, uh, you know, you know, in our, in our societies, you know, our, our in our leftist circles in, in North America, you know, we're not, we don't have that dilemma of having to take power. We're so far away from it. You know what I mean? Uh, so we can kind of tend to be sectarian or purist or whatever you want to call it, where we can divide into little groupsicles. You know, but if you're actually trying to form a government, you have to try to bring people on board. Uh, that can cause problems, right? Because people are attracted to power and the jobs and the influence and stuff like that. So yeah, it's always a, there was an issue with uh, opportunists in the ranks who can uh, 
you know, and then reveal their true colors at some point. So I think that's what happened in Ecuador. And yeah, one of the first things he did was, uh, Moreno did, was he totally turned around the public media and, and put it right on the same page as the private media. So virtually overnight, there's really no counterbalance in terms of the media either. So that was a that was a big blow as well. But, you know, it can turn around, but it now, you know, it's going to be, <laughs> it's been two years and his approval ratings fallen from like 70% down to like 16%. You know, he's, he's He's lost a lot of popularity for a lot of reasons, um, but the odds that he'll, you know, when exactly he'll be held account for all the stuff he's done, and you know, and other people as well around him, uh, that's hard to say. Just, just one last question on on Assange sure. uh, and on Moreno. Uh, what is Assange's health condition, and what responsibility does Ecuador uh, have for that? I think I think Ecuador is definitely responsible. You know, they put him under uh, quite a bit of isolation. Now, mind you, even when even while he was, you know, um, you know, he he got along very well with the diplomatic staff while Correa was in office. You know, the you can see pictures posted on the internet. You know, birthday parties they threw for him, even as recently, you know, 2015, and that. But but there was still even then, uh, you know, the the lack of sunlight. Um, you know, people who visited him, like you know John Pilger, they could see kind of a decline, you know, the in his health, you know, that he's not been able to get uh, attention, you know, like in the hospital, you know, he's basically in an apartment. <laughs> it's basically what the embassy is, a small apartment. Uh, <clears throat> and so it's not, you know, it's not an ideal setting for your health, obviously. No. And, and never mind psychologically. And then what Moreno did was the, in March of 2018, they imposed a very strict, uh, you know, they blocked his internet, they blocked his phone calls, they've severely restricted their, uh, his, his visitors, you know, there was even a Human Rights Watch uh, general counsel who was denied uh, 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 the opportunity to visit him. So they uh, they really cracked down on him and uh, and then you know applied all kinds of pressure. It was obvious that they were uh, looking for an excuse, uh, you know, to to uh, to get rid of him, to uh, you know hand him over to the United States. And then you know shortly before they did that, they got this loan from the IMF, which will kind of. Help, but you know the United States calls the shots when it comes to IMF loans to uh, countries like Ecuador. The United States is the key player, so um, that also was probably a factor in uh, in him uh, you know, turning him over. But you know, it it all it all comes back to the media, to the vilification that's been going on for so many years. So that you know, when you, when you do that to somebody, then almost anything's permitted. Indeed. Um, you, you've also been writing about Venezuela. Um, is, is that mm. a topic where the corporate media has been doing any better? I, I think it's been worse. Uh, I, I, you, know, you know, the media is, uh, it's very, very difficult to find, uh, you know, anything, uh, uh, you know, just just a basic acknowledgement. Like I don't, I could I could go into this whole big topic, but I don't think there's any disputing that, that you know Nicolas Maduro is a democratically elected president of Venezuela, and the uh, United States and the uh, in its big allies, you know, Canada, European, or Europeans, many of the Europeans anyway, uh, are basically ganging up on the country to uh, to overthrow them. Uh, it's you know it's now it's horrible if they do that to Iraq or, or Syria or Libya. I mean that's bad enough, but they're doing it to a democratically elected government. That's really uh, now they've done that before in this century. Just it hasn't been discussed much. Like in Haiti, they you know, U.S. troops actually kidnapped the uh, democratically elected president uh, Jean Bertrand Aristide, and you know they uh, also the United States you know can't say they perpetrated the coup in in in, in 2009 Honduras, but they certainly uh, you know Hillary Clinton. Hillary Hillary Clinton basically bragged about how they maneuvered to make sure that uh, 
that the key objective of the coup, which was to throw Zelaya out, uh, that, that that succeeded, you know. Um, so, you know, they've been doing this kind of thing, but it's incredible that they're able to do it with uh, democratically elected governments as well. And uh, there's very, there, in, in the media, there's, again, no push. It's almost like with Assange, you know, how they have to preface every defense of them by saying, well, of course, you know, we hate the guy. Well, in the case of Venezuela, it's like, of course it's a dictatorship, you know. Right. And, of course, you know and, then, <laughs> and then go from there. But, you know, we don't want an invasion. Well, you know, you think of all the countries, like, you know, uh, in, in Latin America, especially, that the United States has helped destroy, uh, subject incredible uh, brutality without outright invasion you know the i mean guatemala el salvador uh even nicaragua you know, they use proxies you know they use the contras uh you know or you think about chile you know and under you know, none, of those, none of those things involved invasion you know those those were uh those were just uh, pro- use, the use of proxies either lo- local forces or you know some sometimes with, with uh, some assistance from the from the cia obviously but but for the gen, for you know, not not outright invasion for the most part, and yet doing tremendous, tremendous damage. Yeah, this you you mentioned the U.S. and Canada and Europe and other countries doing this together. Um, Dave Lindorf had an article saying, you know, they are always claiming that there are fifty countries that recognize Juan Guaido as the rightful <laughs> president, but nobody's ever seen the list of the fifty countries. Uh, what are right. they? Is, is is that right? I mean, how how can this be endlessly reported well, and nobody ever ask which fifty? Yeah, and and there's also like it's it's what they mean by recognition. I think is the other thing. Yeah, you might find fifty countries. You, you could probably generate a list. I think of fifty countries who said, uh, you know, basically made some kind of positive comments. Yeah, saying like they recognize them. But even Brazil recently refused to recognize some diplomatic uh, credentials of one of Guaido's fake ambassadors. Um, you know, and even in the United States, you saw you saw that whole incredible embassy standoff. I mean, that that occurs because even even in the United States, they're a little reluctant about uh, you know uh, the the whole legal aspect of this. You know, even though they won't admit it, but they are. So there's there's a lot of countries that that are not not exactly handing over their embassies and and, and handing over recognition to in in any meaningful sense to Guaido because it's all a show. You know, they all. They went along with the United States, just like, you know, they got over 40 countries to go along with the invasion of Iraq, you know. So, I mean, this is just another coalition of the, of the bribed and coerced, you know. Um, and, of course, you know, the other point, I, I know the piece you're mentioning is that, you know, the majority of countries, like 150 other don't, <laughs> aren't even willing to do the the kind of, you know, show recognition that the, uh, that the other countries have done. But uh, it's definitely true, though. The United States has important allies who go along with it in, in crushing other countries, like Canada. Uh, you know, in, in Canada, you know, it's one thing, thing that WikiLeaks brings out is that the importance of allies um, for the U.S. imperialism. I mean, uh, there's a very important, uh, I think, a very important WikiLeaks cable. It's written by the um, ambassador to Haiti. Uh, I believe it's 2009. Her name is Janet Sanderson. And she's talking about well the overthrow of Aristide and the and the and multinational force that was in, installed there to basically shore up the dictatorship. Yeah. And she was so delighted with the habits of security cooperation, as she called it. I mean, they really. And she talked about the importance of the UN and making this happen. I mean, they really want allies. They need allies to go along with them, uh, or otherwise they don't. Uh, it just doesn't happen. The United States is is very powerful, can do tremendous damage, but they still. They they need the uh, they need allies to go along, and I, I think you know for people like us in Canada and in Europe, you know it's important that uh, you know we not 
we understand that the United States might be the, the driving force for you know Western imperialism, but our, our, our own countries can do a lot to um, to push back and and to uh, provide a considerable uh, constraint. It would be wonderful for Canada to do that or for Theresa May right. to be replaced by Jeremy Corbyn or, or any such steps. We've been speaking with Joe Emmersberger. You can find his work at fair.org, at The Canary, at Counterpunch. Uh, I wish we could go on, but we're out of time. Joe, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thanks very much for having me. It's been fun. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.